What what shows are we what what shows are we watching here, Shannon? What do we like? Any any franchise of the Real Housewives. Uh, <laughs> you just need a table thrown. You probably need it via vicariously. You need tables thrown because you can't do it yourself. I need a drink yeah. thrown. I need a table tipped over. <laughs> I feel um, you. And, and, and suddenly I'm ready to go again. Hello, and welcome to the Politics Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Okay, so today's episode is a Politics Girl candy conversation with Shannon Watts, founder of Moms Demand Action, the nation's largest grassroots group fighting against gun violence. Prior to founding Moms Demand Action, Watts was a stay-at-home mother and former communications executive working for Fortune 100 companies. The day after the Sandy Hook school shooting, Watts started a Facebook group to bring women together to stand against the gun lobby, just as Mothers Against Drunk Driving had done to bring mothers together against the alcohol lobby in the 80s. Over time, the online conversation turned into a grassroots movement that now finds a Mums Demand Action chapter in every state in America. And, together with their partner, Every Town for Gun Safety, they now have over 8 million supporters, larger than the National Rifle Association. For over nine years, Mums Demand Action volunteers have been incredibly successful stopping the NRA's influence over legislation. They've helped pass hundreds of gun safety laws, changed corporate policies, and educated Americans about the importance of safely securing your guns. In addition to her work with Moms Demand Action, Watts is an active board member of both Emerge America, one of the nation's leading organizations for recruiting and training women to run for office, and Advance Peace, an important community-based organization that works to end cyclical and revenge gun violence in Americans' urban neighborhoods. She's also the author of Fight Like a Mother, How a Grassroots Movement Took on the Gun Lobby and Why Women Will Change the World. And I'm sure it's not a surprise to you to know that I'm deeply impressed with her passion, her success, and couldn't agree more with her book's subtitle. So without further ado, please welcome activist, author, and passionate mouthy fellow mother, Shannon Watts. Welcome, Shannon. Thanks for having me. First of all, I want to say from one, I've had enough of this woman to another. I'm so glad you're out here doing what you do. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm sure like you, I certainly never imagined that I would become an activist uh, as a mom of five, but... Look, I think, as Alice Walker said, that getting involved in the democratic process is the rent we pay to live on the planet. And it's incumbent on all of us to find what we're passionate about and and get involved and use our voices and our votes. I totally agree. I actually joined a chapter of Moms Demand Action in 2017, and I was working with another mom in the group who had experienced just a shocking story of gun violence, and I wanted to get her story written into a book. But unfortunately, during the discovery process, I personally got really sick, and I spent six months in the hospital, and then my mom died, and then the coronavirus happened. So I feel like a bit of a poser to truly call myself a member of your amazing group because... You know, I send money and I have a T-shirt, but you guys have been that, so. That's su- it. You are a member. <laughs> that's all it is. That's all it is. Yep. Um, but you guys have been so, you know, successful, and I think it would be disingenuous of me to claim any credit, even by proxy, for being part of your amazing movement. But I just love what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, now, give me some background on Mums Demand Action. It was obviously post Sandy Hook, which was such a trauma uh, for most people. And um, I remember picking up my son from preschool that day and having to pull the car over because I couldn't stop thinking about all the parents who would never see their little person's face in the rearview mirror again. And it overwhelmed me. And I had to actually pull over and cry. And he was so little and he was like, what's wrong, mommy? 
it was such a horrific shooting and the victims of that shooting were just the epitome of innocence that I thought, okay, well, at least for all this tragedy, we will finally do something about gun violence in America. And then we didn't. Is that sort of But the we impetus? did, but we ah, did. Ah, okay. Tell me about it. So, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom of five in Indiana the day of the Sandy Hook school shooting. Um, I, I haven't spoken to a mom in the past decade who hasn't been able to tell me like you exactly where they were right. when they found out this tragedy was unfolding. And like you, I, I was riveted to my television, just praying for the very best, right? And and now we all know that 20 children and six educators were slaughtered in the sanctity of an American elementary school. And that was truly unfathomable to me. It was a holiday time. It was just so devastating. And you know, I spent the day in tears. But I woke up the next day incredibly angry. I had so much anger in me. I couldn't focus. Uh, I couldn't think straight. And I just thought, you know, I want to join something like Mothers Against Drunk Driving, which was just so influential to me in the 80s. You know, they changed the culture completely around that issue. And I thought there's got to be something like that that exists for gun safety. So I got online, I was at my kitchen counter on my laptop, and I couldn't find anything. I was finding these one-off groups in cities and states, some think tanks, all mostly run by men. And I knew being part of a badass army of women was really what got stuff done in this country, right? It was time for, for moms to get off the sidelines. And, and the other thing I will say is that I am a, a white suburban mom. I was afraid my kids weren't safe in, in their schools. It was time for white women to get off the sidelines and get engaged. Mass shootings and school shootings are horrific, but they're about 1% of the gun violence in this country right? That, that is tearing at the fabric of our communities. And I guess I just knew instinctively that, that the gun lobby's greatest fear was that an army of angry moms would rise up against them. And, and here we are almost 10 years later, uh, December of this year will mark 10 years that, that I've been doing this work as a full-time volunteer. And I think that was exactly right. You know, we have taken on the gun lobby and, and, and you were just saying what so many people think is that nothing has happened. And, and what hasn't happened is a cathartic moment in Congress that would, for example, require a background check on every gun sale. But what has happened is that we've created the largest grassroots movement in the country. We have over 8 million supporters. We're now larger than the NRA. We are beating them in school boards and city councils and in state houses. And we stopped an agenda that was sailing through all of these different layers and levels where laws are made and where culture has changed. And, and we have really gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and won. That's, that's the story yeah. of the last 10 years. And that's a really good story. And I'm sorry if it made it sound like I don't think that we've done anything. I think what I meant was more, you thought that watching Sandy Hook would become this, this moment in American uh, zeitgeist where people would say, okay, that is enough. You know, we believe in the Second Amendment, but we must have rules. This can never happen again. And I think there was a lot of people who were quite shocked that we didn't have um, that reaction, especially from one whole side yep. of the aisle. Um, but you're talking to me about the power of grassroots, which is something obviously I believe. I started my little project from my own kitchen myself. But I want to inspire people to know that their voice matters, right? That they, one person can make an actual difference in this country, an actual difference in the world. And if you were going to 
talk to someone about how you took what essentially was a Facebook book group and then turned it into this amazing thing that's taking the NRA on, head on. Sort of what would you give people as as an instinct if they were sitting around in their house right now being like, what do I do? What do I do? Because I think people feel immobilized by not knowing how to make a difference. And you obviously did it yourself and you created something. How'd you do it? How do we teach other people to do it? I, I think you started the question with a really important point, which is that everyone thought there would be wholesale change overnight after the Sandy Hook school shooting tragedy. I think in retrospect, that wasn't realistic, right? The the Congress that we had in place was the same Congress we had just a few days before, that they had really been inculcated by a gun lobby and, and had either bought into their agenda or was willing to put their agenda forward in order to save their own jobs, right? And that that was disappointing that there couldn't be sort of holistic wholesale change overnight. But that is not the way the system is set up. The system is set up for frustrating incremental change. And I know incrementalism is, is kind of a dirty word sometimes, but it's, it's really what leads to revolutions in this country. And I think there's no one better cut out to deal with the day-to-day frustrations of incrementalism than moms. If you're raising a child, you're dealing with day-to-day incrementalism and change, right? And you realize that you don't give up. You know, your kid may have a fever for five days and you may get really tired and bored and exhausted and, and, and frustrated, but you don't give up because that's your kid. And the country is the same way. Uh, we are like drips on a rock. We believe every action we take counts. It all adds up. You know, whether you're making a text or a call or you're spending an hour organizing, sometimes we refer to this as naptivism, the idea that you may just have an hour when your kids are taking a nap. Nap But there's a place, naptivism, right? Naptivism, I get it. It's it's the mom form of activism. Yeah. Because if you're a mom and you think, I am at my wit's end, I've got a job, I'm caretaking, like when am I going to fit in activism? You can't. And, and, and it all adds up. It all makes a difference. And you don't have to be a full-time volunteer, right? You don't have to wake up like I do and do this every single day, all day long. Big change sometimes feels daunting, but, but the local work we do with school boards and city councils and even neighbor-to-neighbor conversations around things like secure storage, right? Keep your guns locked, unloaded, separate from ammunition. Even those conversations are critical and life-saving. And so I believe everyone is an activist and everyone has time and, and your life will change. It will ebb and flow, but, but we all have to be activists in a democracy. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm a big proponent of democracy um, as a wonderful working system, provided people don't get frustrated. It's one of the reasons that the country is on the edge right now, because autocracy is far more appealing. This kind of, I can fix it. I'll get it done. I'll, let's just abandon the rule of law and I will do this. I will lock this person up. I will. And even people who are Democrats feel like that right now because they haven't seen enough yep. um a response from what happened with January 6th and with the coup and they want it to happen yesterday and they want it to happen now and they just lock these people up, get them out. We know they're bad. But what we say all the time on this show and, and I had Terry Canefield on a couple of weeks ago to talk about the same thing, which is like democracy is slow and it's frustrating and yep. it's, it, your drips on a rock is a very good analogy because eventually the hole is made, right? Eventually the drips are enough. And if everybody, not just moms, but everybody who's out there is doing a drip, 
it that is when change is actually going to happen. And you can't give up because it seems too slow or too incremental, as you said. Now, the thing that I wonder with you is how do you go about, uh, which is what we have to do with democracy, managing expectations so you don't feel disappointed with something that is so important and you've put so much effort into it and then it doesn't work out? Or how do you not burn out with all you have to ingest all day, right? Because we know that people tune out when nothing is happening or when it's too sad or too distressing. You go, oh my God, another shooting. I can't do it, right? Um how do you personally function living amongst all this bad news, right? And you, you, what advice would you give to people that want to be making a difference, who want to be out here taking in reality, but find themselves desensitized or shut down to the amount that just keeps coming? So you're, you're talking about two really important things around activism and, and building a volunteer base. And that's baking in expectations, Right. You don't get involved in activism in this country thinking it's going to happen overnight, or at least you shouldn't. Because when you look at social movements, it takes a while. It may not even happen in your lifetime, yeah. but it doesn't, it doesn't mean you don't do the work. Um, if we were talking about, for example, suffrage and a woman's right to vote, and I don't just mean wi- white women, I mean all women, that took about a century. Now, imagine if those women had stepped out and said, it's not worth it, it's never going to happen, I give up, Right. It, it is really the people who stay in the fight who get things done. And so when we welcome people to the movement and people come in and out all the time, right? A lot of times women join us because uh, they sent their kindergartner to school and for the first time they've had to endure a lockdown drill. Right. And so when these new volunteers come in, we make sure they understand that our motto is losing forward. You don't think it's going to happen overnight, but you also don't think there won't be losses along the way. There certainly will be, especially when you're taking on one of the most powerful, wealthy, special interests that's ever existed. But we win a lot more than we lose. And we try to see those losses as a way to inform wins going forward. You know, I'll give you a quick example. When we started Moms to Men Action, I would travel to Arkansas and meet with the same handful of very nice women over and over again, but the the chapter really wasn't growing there. And what happened was a lawmaker put a guns on campus bill forward that would allow guns on college grounds. And it just sailed through the state house, was signed into law by the governor standing next to a gun lobbyist. And it so enraged moms and women across Arkansas that we grew exponentially. And we grew so quickly and so large that we were able to immediately go in and at least get a carve out so that guns would not be allowed inside stadiums and at tailgates, as if you can imagine. No, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) Terrible. If you're a mom, you know that's a real bad idea. And then what happened the next year? Two of our volunteers ran for office and won. One was a college professor. The other one was a retired nurse who beat the man who put the guns on campus bill forward by 12 points. And even though there was a Republican supermajority in the state, the year after that, we were able to stop Stand Your Ground twice. Now, this year hasn't been great in Arkansas. It ebbs and flows. But it's this idea of knowing that we're going to keep going and we're going to win from our losses, also known as losing forward. The other piece you talked about this is self-care. And this is hard work. It is painstaking work, but it's also really painful work. And we are doing this side by side with gun violence survivors. I'm not a survivor. I think it is heroic for people who've been impacted by gun violence to wake up every day and do this work to save the lives of perfect strangers when they are dealing with so much grief 
themselves. So self-care is a really important part of that. And for me, you know, it, it might look different than someone else, but you know, I take a bath every single night. It's my own personal spa in my house. <laughs> I meditate every single day. I make sure that I get exercise in. Um, I watch reality television mm-hmm. at night. What what shows are we what what shows are we watching here, Shannon? What do we like? Any any franchise of the Real Housewives. Uh, <laughs> you just need a table thrown. You probably need it via vicariously. You need tables thrown because you can't do it yourself. I need a drink yeah. thrown. I need a table tipped <laughs> over. I feel um, you. And 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 suddenly I'm ready to go again. You're a housewife by proxy. You can just be pulled exactly. together in real life, but you can live vicariously through those women. I got it. That makes perfect sense. So let's talk about solutions. You're out here every day. You're doing it, right? What can we actually accomplish? How do we change the sentiment around guns in America? Because we are a country obsessed with our right to guns, but it seems to stop there. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, I want to also talk about the fact that so many people think this is a polarizing issue. But in fact, if you look at polling, the vast majority of Americans support common sense gun laws, like a background check on every gun sale, usually about 90%, depending on whether there's been a public shooting tragedy in, in the headlines recently. Over 80% of gun owners support common sense gun laws. Uh, only one in 10 gun owners even belongs to the NRA in this country. So it really is a group of extremists, extremist lawmakers who are preventing these life-saving laws from being passed. It's really important to remember that, that we're pretty much all on the same side on this issue, more than a whole lot of other issues that we're trying to address in this country. We've accomplished so much in the last decade, you know, whether it's passing background checks now in 21 states, disarming domestic abusers in 29 states, passing police accountability in over a dozen states. Uh, It's really phenomenal what we've been able to do in state houses. And we stopped the gun lobby's agenda from passing about 90% of the time during legislative sessions across the country. So these are all things that are happening every single day, but, but this is an epidemic, right? And it's very complicated. It's multifaceted. And we have to continue to come up with innovative and, and comprehensive solutions. And, and so, for example, you know, we've recently seen a billion dollars in public funding, thanks to the Biden-Harris administration, go to things like community violence intervention programs. I'm on the board of Advanced Peace, and it's just one of many groups that works to stop gun violence in communities before it happens. Often this is retaliatory gun violence. And so we have a lot of uh, partnerships across the country with these groups that are doing this really important work. They're on the front line. Um, and, And again, we have to remember that while we have sort of an intractable Senate, that that's not where this work begins. It's probably where it ends. We have to roll up our sleeves in our communities and do this work in school boards and city councils and in state houses. And all of that momentum will eventually point the right Congress and the right president in the right direction. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the right Congress is important in that one. I mean, I, yeah, right yeah the Senate, right Senate would say. be yes. wonderful. Even, you know, three or four or more senators on one side would be very, very helpful. Um, and that's the thing about legislation, right? Like, I've always said Democrats should focus on being the party of responsible gun ownership with the emphasis on ownership, because I think that the vast majority of yep. Americans 
like you said, 80%, 90% want common sense gun regulations, but we never get it because the Republicans and the gun lobby have convinced enough people that any form of gun control is this slippery slope to the Democrats taking all your guns away, right? And I think we should just cleanly take that off the table, right? No one is coming for your guns. You know, have as many as you want. Pose in your Christmas cards with them, you know, put them on your back porch as a display. But what I said in a a rant that I did on this was, you know, what Spider-Man says, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So you can't just have these weapons of war, these weapons of death, and leave them completely unregulated. You know, people say, well, cars kill people too. So are you going to ban cars? And you're like, no, we regulated cars, right? We, That's what we did. We added seatbelts. We added backup cameras. We added airbags. We made drunk driving laws and speed limits. And we said, you can't text while you're driving. We regulate the industry for the good of public safety. No one came and took away your cars. And I think we should look at gun safety the same way. No one is going to take away your guns, but we want to make them safer to own. Yeah, no, I, I love your rant. I think it is it is right on point. Uh, you know, it, it is it's sort of a, a straw man right. argument, right? Um, that there can't be gun laws, or that criminals won't follow the laws, or that any law whatsoever is a, a slippery slope to guns being confiscated. Uh, it's never happened. It never is going to happen. There are 400 million guns in this country. Many of our volunteers are gun owners, or their partners are gun owners. Again, most gun owners support responsible gun ownership. They are responsible gun owners. Um, and, and so this isn't controversial, right? As you said, gun ownership should come with responsibilities. Gun rights should come with responsibilities. Securely store your firearms, for example. Keep them unloaded, locked, separate from ammunition. Get a background check. Have safety training. This is just the, the common sense foundation of having so many guns in this country. And, and, to your point, the converse discussion there is if more guns and fewer gun laws made us safer, we'd be the safest country in the world. Instead, we have an over 25 times higher gun homicide rate than any peer nation, right? This, this idea that the gun lobby put forward isn't working. And in fact, we're seeing gun crime and gun violence spike in this country right now. And at the same time, we're seeing more lawmakers, particularly in red states, trying to dismantle our gun laws. And and data shows that will only cause more suffering and death. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. I, I, I feel like we look every day on social media and in the news, and it's just story after story after story of terrible things that are happening. And I've, I wonder sometimes, is it getting worse? Or are we just looking at, at more because of social media? I mean, you put them up every day. You have to go through them and you put them up. This guy shot this guy because his dog was running free. This guy shot this guy for a parking spot. Here's a mass shooting on the freeway because this person cut me off, you know? Well, data shows it is getting worse. I mean, you just mentioned road rage. Yeah, I mean, we just we just did a whole report showing that that road rage has gone up very significantly. Now, look, the pandemic exacerbated every kind of issue in this country. Certainly, Gun violence is is an epidemic within a pandemic. And the fact that women were isolated with domestic abusers, the fact that uh, people had suicidal ideation and had easy access to guns, um, the fact that criminals were able to have easier access to guns during the pandemic because you know the Trump administration was doing whatever they could to make it easier. All of those things are why we're seeing in part the spike, you know, add on to that tens of millions of, of new gun sales since the pandemic began because the gun lobby made everyone afraid 
uh, for their property, for their lives, and, and said a gun was the only way to solve that. Every developed nation experienced the, the pandemic. Only America made sure that people who were in crisis had easy access to firearms. So I'm not surprised we're seeing these numbers right now, but it's very concerning. And, you know, you, you can't argue data. Right. You, well, it's, it's I almost mean, like with climate can. change. <laughs> you People do. Be yeah, you shouldn't be able to argue right? data. Yes. And so with climate change, the data is in. You can argue about how to address it, but you can't really argue that there's not a climate crisis. The same with, with gun violence. You can say you just don't want laws because you believe that everyone should have unfettered access to guns, but you can't argue that the data shows that the way to save lives is to have stronger gun laws. I mean, I, I live in California. We have some of the strongest gun laws on the books. And as a result, we have some of the lowest gun deaths and gun crime. That said, we're all only as safe as the closest state with the weakest gun laws, right? right? And so that is really why ultimately we need federal action. Now we're going to take a quick break for some messages from our sponsor. And we'll be back with Shannon Watts talking about what we can do about gun violence in America. As a modern parent, I will tell you that when you find something that engages your child's imagination, there is nothing better. To watch them get lost in some cool activity and discover the wonders of the world feels like you've unlocked a secret. Now you can fuel their curiosity and deepen their connection to the world with Little Passports. When my son was young, we did Little Passports for almost three years. Little Passports is a globally inspired award-winning subscription service that sends your children activity kits each month. They have kits for kids that are into the world, animals, science, and in our family's case, travel. Each kit is filled with play-based activities, interactive crafts, puzzles, games, and stories that help the kids have fun while they learn about the world around them. The kits are tailored to your child's age and match to their interests. You can choose from month to month or six month or in our case, 12 month subscriptions, whatever is right for your family, and you can stop anytime. And if you're not the parent of a child aged three to 10, Little Passports makes a perfect gift for other parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, godparents, and educators. And right now, Little Passports is offering new customers 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com slash politicsgirl. That's littlepassports.com slash politicsgirl for 20% off. Kids are always searching for something new to do. Give them something worthwhile with littlepassports.com. So we recently went to stay with friends and my husband was getting up really early every day to surf and he was finding that he was exhausted by midday. We were all sitting around one afternoon and he said, I really miss my athletic greens. I should have brought them. And he should have because we have travel packs. But our hostess was like, oh, you take athletic greens? So do we. And she had it right there and she shared it with us. And my husband was like, uh, night and day difference. I'm never leaving it at home again. We love Athletic Greens because with one scoop in the morning on an empty stomach, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help start your day off right. Their special blend of ingredients supports your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, all the things. Athletic Greens is a once-a-day microhabit that uses the best products and is based in the latest science. Their current formula is on its 53rd iteration because they're constantly updating it as the science changes. No matter how you eat, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it'll fit into your lifestyle. It has less than one gram of sugar per serving, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash politicsgirl. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash politicsgirl. And take ownership over your health and get the ultimate in daily nutritional insurance. Okay, so when you're a female podcaster, you get approached by a lot of companies that are female-centric, and I turn a lot of them down because my audience is not female-centric. My audience is filled with smart, engaged people of all ages and genders. So if I take on a sponsor that skews towards one audience only, I want to be clear I'm doing it because it's a really good product. And I'm sure that whoever I'm not talking to can still get something out of it. This is where I fall with third love. Third Love makes bras and underwear and workout and comfy clothes for women. But it's such an incredible company that I think it should be supported by everybody. The thing about wearing a bra, if you don't know, is that it's a pain in the ass. And often they don't even fit. They're uncomfortable, they dig in, they ride up. Third Love makes it easy to find a bra that actually fits with their fitting room quiz. The fitting room quiz is like having a personal shopper that focuses on size, shape, fit issues, and make sure that whatever they give you is going to be perfect for you. And if you don't love your fit, you can exchange a return for free for 60 days. They have people, actual people available to answer all your questions. And on top of fitting their clients and customers properly, Third Love is the largest donator of undergarments in the US, partnering with organizations all across the United States and have donated over $40 million worth of bras to help people in need. So I'm telling you, if you want a bra that actually fits, truly no joke fits, is comfortable and exactly what you wanted, Third Love is where you need to go. I pretty much only wear their bras now, and that's not because they sponsor my show, it's because their product is spectacular. So give your boobs, or some boobs you know, the 24-7 comfort and support they deserve. Upgrade your bra today and get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash politicsgirl. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash politicsgirl. You won't be disappointed. And we're back with founder of Moms Demand Action, Shannon Watts, getting into it about what we can do to fix this broken country. You know, someone recently wrote on Twitter, um, it seems like gun owners need protection from losing an argument more than anything. And I laughed because it does seem like a lot of people are having full gun shootouts now because they didn't agree on, you know, parental care or they didn't agree on where to put your fence on their lawn, that kind of thing. Um, So I... I thought, oh God, I shouldn't be laughing. This is actually not far off where we're at because a certain part of America has found themselves in this place where they only feel confident if they're armed. And when they're armed, then they're far more likely to use the gun, right? Like you look at someone like Kyle Rittenhouse, like no one would be dead if he hadn't taken a gun to the protest. But once you're armed, you feel like, okay, well now I might use it. And I find that that's what's happening a lot. And I I wonder... If you do you notice that that the more you arm people, the more it happens. Yeah, uh, the 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 gun lobby wants us to believe that an armed society is a polite society. <laughs> Again, we wouldn't have a twenty five times higher gun homicide rate than any pure nation if that were true. No, but but to your point, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. On top of that, we have lawmakers who are passing laws that really encourage this kind of behavior. So, for example, some people call them stand your ground laws. We call them shoot first law. Um, and, and it really just protects people from shooting someone without asking questions, um, without being in, under threat or in jeopardy of, of being in danger. And then they're protected. But who's protected? White people are protected. You know, shoot first laws are shown to protect 
uh, white victims, white shooters, and to put black people either in danger or under suspicion. And so these laws are never applied equally. equally uh, and and, and it, it is a, a situation in this country where everything is so easily solved by someone who's armed. And when you allow, for example, people to have loaded guns in their cars, of course you're going to see an increase in road rage involving gun violence. It is, again, just sort of the logical outcome of those laws. And we have to hold our lawmakers accountable. I, I know that you feel like I do, which is that like Democrats just really need to hone their messaging. And as we go into the midterm elections, I know, we're both going crazy. Needs, it needs to be about crime. Who owns the wave of crime? It, it, is, it is mostly gun crime. And it is the logical outcome of the laws passed for years and years by Republicans. And I also think it's, you know, this kind of underlying fear that has been pumped into the right wing consciousness, you know, not just the Democrats are coming for your gun stuff, but your way of life is threatened. These people are coming to take your America, right? Even Tucker Carlson's crazy end of men documentary that's coming out and people like Josh Hawley with his men's lives are being ruined by this new society. It feels like guns fit right into that, right? Like manly men stuff, protect the family, protect the country. Um, but these people are actually making the country feel a whole lot less safe. And and I feel like this kind of fragile manhood, manhood under attack thing, they take a gun to make them feel more powerful, and then we cause more problems. Yes. I mean, it, again, every nation is home to some form of toxic masculinity. Only America makes it easy for misogynists to, uh, you know, domestic abusers, other people who are dangerous to women to have easy access to firearms. And um, it, it is truly a, a problem in this country, especially as you mentioned, the, the political environment we're in. Um, yes, every country seems to be dealing with authoritarianism ten tendencies right now. Uh, but again, only America is arming so-called militias and allowing them to act with impunity. So it, it is a concern and it is something that is unique to America. I, I certainly don't want to live in a country where everyone is you know, tanning their testicles and, and running around <laughs> with... Uh, open carry. Certainly not at the same time either. Um, no. But honestly, like I, I, you just mentioned militias. And I think the thing is about the Second Amendment is that we often forget, you know, we talk about the right to bear arms, but we often forget the well-regulated militia part. You know, this concept that you should be able to stand up against a tyrannical government is completely different than everyone should be armed at Duncan, you know? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, where's the well-regulated part of that? And how come we've lost that in the narrative? Well, the, the NRA, they have had, you know, a 30-year head start of creating incredibly extreme rhetoric. If you go back to, if you remember the, the Waco crisis in this country, that's really when the NRA started to side with extremists and referred to law enforcement as jackbooted thugs. You may remember that's when George Bush Sr. resigned his membership in the NRA. And we've seen these different inflection points all along the way. Uh, Waco, Columbine, certainly Sandy Hook, where the the gun lobby could have backed down and sort of sided with mainstream America. And frankly, if they'd done that, I don't know if Moms Demand Action would exist. But instead, they doubled down. And they decided to link arms with the most extreme people in this country, whether it's lawmakers or their base. And that well-regulated piece doesn't apply. I mean, they want you to regulate yourself. And we know what, what happens when, when there's absolutely no um, requirement to have a background check or training um, or to even report lost and stolen firearms. Most illegal guns in this country 
start as legal guns that are stolen from cars. And the NRA will do whatever possible to make sure it's not a law that you have to report your lost and stolen gun. It's, it's absurd. Um, it makes no sense, but it certainly lines the pockets of gun manufacturers. Yeah. And that's one of the legislations I would really love to see passed. I would love to see something where people were personally responsible for their own firearms. So if you get a gun, if you want an arsenal, knock yourself out. You want an, an automatic weapon? Okay, sure. I don't think you should have one, but that's not my business. Say you have it, you are responsible for it. So if a child takes a gun out of your purse and shoots their brother, it's as if you pulled the trigger. If you give a gun to a child to hunt and they end up shooting a human, that's on you. If your teenager takes a gun to school and shoots eight people, that's on you, the gun owner. If we held the gun owners responsible, I think we would see what a responsible gun owner looks like change real fast. You know, I think people would be locking up their guns and unloading their guns and keeping ammunition separate from their weapons. I think they would be reporting a stolen gun immediately. So if something happened, if there was a crime, they wouldn't be responsible for it. I would love to see something like that because it wouldn't take from the gun um, ownership again, responsible gun ownership, but it would say, hey, you are responsible for what happens with this weapon. So we would see a lot less accidental deaths and that kind of behavior. I think that's exactly right. You know, you call them accidental. I always call them unintentional. And the reason I do is because an accident implies you've done everything possible to avoid something happening and it happened anyway. But if you leave your loaded gun on the counter... It's just sort of the logical outcome that someone is going to get a hold of it and do something with it that could harm them or someone else. And we talked about drunk driving a little bit at the beginning of this conversation. You know, if you go back to the 1980s before Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and someone would get in their car, they would choose to drive drunk, they would kill friends or family, and everyone would say, oh, that's just so tragic. You know, we can't punish them. They've suffered enough. And this group of angry moms whose children had been killed came along and said, you know, wait a minute, L laws are the, the moral underpinning of our society. And if we don't do something to stop this, or if there are no consequences, it's just going to happen over and over and over again. And they were exactly right. Within, you know, a decade, they had passed laws at state and federal level to hold people accountable for drinking and driving. They cut drunk driving deaths almost in half. It flash forward to 2022, and in many states, if you leave a loaded gun on your kitchen counter and a kid gets it and shoots themselves or someone else, there's absolutely no penalty, no accountability. And if they're even in the 28 states where there is some kind of accountability, it's like a $400 fine and it's a misdemeanor. So it is important that there are consequences for behaving negligently, yeah. right? That's what we're talking about is negligence. Negligence, yeah. And yet it's not built into the no, system. No, it's not. I mean, we have to put uh, fences around our pools to make sure somebody who doesn't even live at our yep. house doesn't fall into them, right? And so why not do that with our actual weapons of war that we have? Now, you did recently have a successful change in legislation, right? You just had some success with the banning of ghost guns. Do you want to talk me through that victory? I think that's a great thing. That's right. I, it, it was my first visit to the Rose Garden in nearly 10 years, which was a, it just represents a, a huge victory for the, the gun safety movement. And it's, it's common sense, right? If you buy a couch and you have to assemble it, it's still a couch, right? Yet ghost guns, if, if you bought it and assembled it at home, it was not regulated like a regular firearm. That will no longer be the case. And, and last year, about 20,000 ghost guns were recovered by law enforcement at crime scenes. That was a tenfold increase from 2016. And a ghost gun is, is just a gun, basically, that lacks a serial number. 
And it makes it really hard for law enforcement to track them, right? If you find a gun at a crime scene, it doesn't have a serial number. You can't trace it back to an individual purchaser. So this rule bans the business of manufacturing um, the most accessible ghost guns. So unserialized, they're called buy, build, shoot kits. You can buy them at an online or at a store without any background check. You assemble them at home. It takes about 30 minutes. And so this rule makes sure that these are considered regular firearms. You know, these are the, the weapons of choice among white supremacists, among felons, among domestic abusers, uh, because when you're a prohibited purchaser, it's very easy to access, access a ghost gun. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, David Chipman, who I'm sure you know, uh, is the man that Biden tried to nominate as the new head of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. I think he really got it. He said, there's only one reason you want to buy a ghost gun, right? And it's not to use it responsibly. It's because you want a ghost gun that is untraceable, that you can build and no one can trace it back to you. And then he also said, and I think rightly so, that if we're trying to pick villains or people that have fallen short, it's really the gun industry and the elected officials that support them that have created a situation like this by design. And that it's, it's just that gun violence itself is incredibly profitable. You know, when there is a shooting, you feel you have to get a gun. If you think there's danger, you will get a gun. If you think something's going to happen, you will get a gun. So it's an incredibly profitable business model. So I think it's not really a surprise to hear people like David Chipman, who, by the way, was stopped by pro-gun groups for being the head of the ATF, um, say things like that because it is a hell of an industry. Well, I mean, you've got Ted Cruz now opposing this new ghost gun rule. You know, the idea that we would make it so easy for criminals to buy and make guns at their home uh, and, and then be armed is, is lawlessness, right? And so we go back to this idea of messaging. Uh, Republicans should own this. Republicans who oppose just having a background check to have a ghost gun, uh, that is not the opinion of mainstream America. And more and more people are seeing the, the crimes committed with these, these ghost guns. And, you know, I was saying that prohibited purchasers get them. You know who else gets them? Kids. And just, you know, this school year, we've seen shootings with ghost guns in Arizona and New Mexico, Maryland and Kansas, uh, gun, ghost guns in backpacks, ghost guns being used to commit school shootings. I mean, that's a, a truly scary trend. So I, I'm thrilled that, that President Biden Put this rule in place that is a major step forward that will cut the stream off of these untraceable guns into our our schools and communities um and and I, it's just nuts to me that we're seeing any republican that wouldn't be supportive of that i totally agree it seems ridiculous because they end up on the wrong side of law enforcement too law enforcement doesn't want ghosts. yes guns. if you're the party of law and order that, that is a trend we're seeing yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing is that we're seeing is permitless carry passing through state houses. 24 states have now passed something called permitless carry, which means you can carry a hidden loaded handgun in public with no background check and no training. Again, lawlessness. Um, and, and so many law enforcement officers were part of our coalition to say, don't do this. You're making my job harder. You're putting my life on the line. You're putting the people that I'm supposed to protect, you're putting their life on the line. And, and Republican lawmakers ignored them, in part because they're playing primary politics, right? And, and they're worried uh, that they'll lose their jobs to someone even more extreme than they are. Uh, but it is really fascinating to see that this party that says they back the blue 
not when it comes to gun safety. Or the Capitol insurrection, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the ultimate goal? You, Shannon Watts, founder of Moms Demand Action, what would you like to see? What would, kind of America would you like to see? Again, we are not against the Second Amendment. Many of our volunteers are gun owners or their partners are gun owners. This is simply about restoring the responsibilities that should go along with gun laws and gun rights. And that includes background checks. We've now passed those in 21 states and Washington, D.C. It includes making sure domestic abusers don't have easy access to guns. We've passed those laws now in 29 states and Washington, D.C. It's closing loopholes, like, for example, the Charleston loophole, which allows gun dealers to sell guns within three days if background check doesn't clear. Um, there, There are a lot of different legislative priorities. Also, Electorally, you know, we have to make sure that when lawmakers do the right thing, we have their back, but when they don't, we have their job. And I'm so thrilled to see so many of our volunteers want to move from not just shaping policy, but to actually making it. For example, Congresswoman Lucy McBath in Georgia started out as a a Moms Demand Action volunteer. She's a gun violence survivor. She's now a member of Congress who is putting forward and passing good gun safety legislation. And then I would just say the third way to address this issue is culturally. Um, In addition to teaching people about secure storage and passing those resolutions through school boards, uh, we also need influencers and business leaders and others to make sure they're part of our coalition, but also that they have good gun safety policies in in their own stores and outlets. And you also, don't you approve candidates too? There's Mom Demand Action Gun Sense candidates so people can know. We do. So the electoral work we do, whether it's electing our own volunteers or electing Gun Sense candidates, um, if you want to see where your own candidates stand on this, um, you can go to momsdemandaction.org or gunsensevoter.org, either one, and just see where the, the lawmakers where you live, where do they stand on this issue, and make sure that this is a priority when you go into to the voting booth, especially for the midterm elections. All right. And what can we do to help us on the outside of the of the show here? Well, we are not just moms. We're not just women. We're We're all caring Americans, including students and survivors and and dads and non-moms. Um, if you want to get involved, just text the word READY to 64433. A volunteer will immediately reach out to you and tell you how to plug in where you live. Um, our website is momsdemandaction.org. Uh, you can go to everytown.org, which is our flagship organization. And there's so much research and data on that website that will really help you have informed conversations about this issue. Well, Thank you, Shannon. Honestly, you're an amazing woman. And from one mom to another, I want you to know how how much I recognize how hard it is to do what you do and still be a good parent. So kudos to your passion, to your hard work. Um, I hope my listeners take the time to follow through with the texting and the website um, and some of your suggestions about how to kind of talk to your friends about these ideas, that it's not about taking away anybody's guns. It's about being responsible with it. And if you are, you're on the side of 80 to 90 percent of American of the American public. We just keep hearing from the loudest, smallest group. Um, So thank you so much for joining us today. I am deeply grateful for your time and just go out and keep making the world a better place. I really appreciate you. Well, I'm deeply grateful to you for shining a light on this issue and for talking about it so often on your podcast and and on Twitter and other places. So thank you so much. You're welcome. We all need to make this a better country. We know it can be. So that was Shannon Watts, author, advocate, and passionate leader, reminding us that the majority of this country wants responsible gun ownership, that it's the smallest, loudest group and the politicians that pander to them that leave us with this lawlessness. 
that we can all be advocates for the issues that we're passionate about, even if it's just naptivism. An hour a day for millions of people is like the dripping of water on a stone. Something that might seem impenetrable is vulnerable with enough concentrated, focused action. Now go out and make the world a better place. Thank you for caring enough about democracy to be here. Until next week, PG out. The Politics Girl podcast is written and performed by me, Lee McGowan, in partnership with the Midas Media Network and produced and edited by Happy Warrior Entertainment. All rights reserved.